Cigarette smoking. Do health professionals understand the differences in the health risks from cigarette smoking compared to the use of other tobacco products, such as smokeless tobacco, e-cigarettes, questions that come up and we talk about all the time? I'm Dr. Brian McDonough, your host on Primary Care Today on ReachMD. And with me today, I have a very special guest. Uh, My guest is from the University of Louisville School of Medicine. He holds an endowed chair of tobacco harm reduction research at the James Graham Brown's Cancer Center. And my guest, I want to welcome to this program. It's really special. We're trying to have an opportunity to chat for a while. It's Brad Roto. Dr. Roto, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. My first question for you, I mean, they are big questions. The whole idea of e-cigarettes, a lot of of physicians don't really understand what they are. Are they harmful? Are they a way to kick the habit? What's the story with them? Well, e-cigarettes deliver a vapor of nicotine to smokers, and they also mimic the behavioral aspects of smoking. So they are a powerful and easy substitute for lighting tobacco up on fire and inhaling smoke, and it's two or 3,000 toxic agents. E-cigarettes deliver a vapor of nicotine, water, propylene glycol or glycerin, nicotine, and maybe some flavorings. So you're only getting those agents, all of which are basically benign, and but they deliver that feeling of smoking. And for a lot of people, that would seem like a good idea. What's the downside? I see e-cigarettes as a viable and vastly safer substitute for smoking for those smokers who are unable or unwilling to abstain altogether from all nicotine and tobacco products. There's a downside, of course, we don't want any children to initiate use with e-cigarettes. And we do know that some children are using, they have access to and are using e-cigarettes. Of course, that's unacceptable. But for the adult smoker who can't quit, e-cigarettes are a viable option. So what you're doing is you're looking at and saying, okay, we've got a good and a bad here, like we do with many things, that the e-cigarettes are starting to be promoted to kids. That's a bad thing. But if it helps somebody kick the habit or get along that path, it may may be a nice crutch to get you to that point. Well, I don't see e-cigarettes as being promoted to children. I don't see any evidence of that. But as you know, anything used by adults can also be attractive to children. So as a society, we want to keep kids away from e-cigarettes, as we do all tobacco products. But I don't see actual promotion. Now, the health risks of chronic tobacco use are are well known, and we as physicians talk about them all the time. But you, you refer to something called the Swedish tobacco experience. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, all physicians know about the health risks of smoking. They've seen patients with emphysema lung cancer, and a host of other upper respiratory cancers, and cardiovascular diseases like heart disease and stroke linked to smoking. There's no question about that. What a lot of physicians don't realize is that it has nothing to do with nicotine and tobacco. It has everything to do with smoke and all the toxic agents in that delivery system. If you move over and instead look at other delivery systems that don't involve smoke, like smokeless tobacco, moist snuff and chewing tobacco, and the Swedish experience with snus, 
which is a form of moist snuff. Those products don't involve smoke, so they don't involve high risk. And they can be used over a lifetime for vastly lower risks for health diseases or for all diseases like cancer, heart disease, and emphysema. The Swedish experience is, in essence, trading a smoke-free, smokeless tobacco for cigarette smoke. And you see increased life expectancy. You don't see tobacco-related diseases. And you see a healthier population in general. Tony Gwynn, one of the greatest players in the history of Major League Baseball, died way before his time. Shortly before he died, he talked about smokeless tobacco and the fact that he used he used a little pinch between his cheek and gum, so to speak, uh, for many years as a player and got cancer. And he didn't get lung cancer, but he certainly isn't here. What, how do you address that? Knowing and having coached lots of kids playing baseball, I know that that is a real problem with kids. They think there's no problem, and they're at risk for all sorts of forms of oral cancer. Tony Gwynn's a tragic story. No question about that. He thought his cancer was related to smokeless tobacco. Here's what Tony Gwynn had. Tony Gwynn had an adenoid cystic carcinoma of its parotid gland. And the epidemiology of that particular tumor is clear. Adenoid cystic carcinoma has never been associated in numerous epidemiologic studies with any form of tobacco. It's a parotid gland cancer, it's an aggressive cancer, and it's devastating but it's not related to smokeless tobacco. Tony Gwynn was a long-term moist snuff user, and he thought that that's what caused this adenoid cystic carcinoma. But there's no evidence for that in the scientific literature. This is Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough. Things are just heating up, as you can imagine. We have our guest with us who is speaking. Right now we're talking about smokeless tobacco, and we're talking with a professor of medicine at the University of Louisville School of Medicine. He holds an endowed chair of tobacco harm reduction research at James Graham Brown Cancer Center, and I'm speaking with Brad Roto. If I look at CDC stats, and we can bring them out, and my gosh, you probably know them a lot better than I do, I'm sure, and we look at smokeless tobacco, you can see the harms. I mean, any doctor can pull them up and see the numbers and see that the issues. How do you deal with that? I mean, let's assume Tony Gwynn maybe was not a victim of smokeless tobacco, and it was another issue that just happened. What do you do to explain all the issues associated with smokeless tobacco to, you know, to defend even somebody using it? That's a great question. And you said when you bring up CDC stats, let's do that. Go to the CDC website and bring up the actual risks related to smokeless tobacco. You won't find any specific relative risks on the CDC website. You won't find them on the American Cancer Society website because, in fact, the published relative risks from a lifetime of smokeless tobacco use are so low that they're never mentioned by any of these anti-tobacco organizations. In fact, the risks among all published studies are barely elevated above the relative risk of one for moist snuff and chewing tobacco users. And so I'm not saying the risks are zero. Don't get me wrong. I'm not dismissing any of those risks, but they're only elevated barely. And that's the whole basis 
of what we call tobacco harm reduction. It's basically, when you look at the elevated risk from smoking, they're significant and they're for a large number of diseases. But when you compare that to smokeless tobacco, the smokeless tobacco risks, they're not zero but they are vastly less elevated than they are with smoking. I did look up their website. I'm on there in, you know, in bold, bold print, at least right now and today. It says smokeless tobacco is not a safe alternative to smoking. Learn more about who uses it and what measures are in place to protect the public. So that clearly isn't a vote of confidence that smokeless tobacco is a direction we should be going, at least based on what the CDC has. And no one has ever said that anything is a safe alternative. The same could be said of nicotine gum and patch. No one is saying they're absolutely safe. There is no form of nicotine or tobacco use that's absolutely safe. What we do as health professionals is we try to help people live longer and healthier lives. And if if they basically are smoking cigarettes, that is really, really a seriously health risk. We try to get them to modify that risk. And if we can't get them to abstain entirely from all tobacco and nicotine use, the next best thing is to have them move to a vastly safer alternative. And that could involve smoke-free tobacco, smokeless tobacco, or e-cigarettes. What do you think about, you know, the engagement now in hospitals where there's core measures to really address cigarette smoking and smoking cessation? And you mentioned it, you know, they might be going to a Nicorette product or to one of the other medications to stop somebody quit smoking, each of which may have their own risks. But to do that, do you think that's, do you see that as a positive? I don't have any problem with someone using Nicorette or nicotine patches for an extended period of time. In fact, the FDA recently has removed barriers to people using nicotine patches over an extended period. So, you know, again, we're trying to get away from that whole concept of abstinence is the only alternative. And I think if your listeners want to really delve into this issue, they will discover that these other forms of tobacco are acceptable substitutes from a risk standpoint. And that's what we're in business for, to help people control and change their risk profiles. Hundreds and hundreds of family doctors listen to this program, primary care doctors, and they're going to read your credentials and then they're going to hear what you say. And this is obviously dramatically different than what they normally hear. I think we all agree that we want people to stop smoking and and you're dedicating your career to that. So that's certainly important. But the method you're going about it is different. Sometimes things that are different turn out to be the right answer. Sometimes they don't. What sort of studies have you done, statistics do you have down in Louisville, which you could share with people uh, to show that what you're doing is more successful if, in fact, it is? Well, one of the places that I would ask uh, doctors to go would be to my blog, Radu Tobacco Truth. It's where I discuss the scientific literature with respect to all of these issues. And when I discuss it on my blog, I don't just give my opinion. I give doctors links to PubMed articles that I discuss where they can go read the articles themselves and make their own judgment. So I'm not asking any of your listeners to take my opinions and I'm basically asking them to take a look at the literature and make their own decisions and help their patients 
make better decisions for their own lives. Tobacco harm reduction is becoming a real option for many, many smokers, especially with the popularity of e-cigarettes. And I think doctors need to get educated about the risks and about the differential risks compared to smoking. You're clearly going on a different path, obviously, than the traditional physician who's involved at major universities and things. Have you had a lot of positive, negative feedback? What's the response been? Well, there is a lot of pushback initially uh, because doctors are basically used to the standard protocol, which is to get people to give up tobacco altogether. But, you know, many people in practice just don't have a lot of luck with that. And so there is a growing interest in new options that don't involve complete tobacco abstinence. And that's why tobacco harm reduction is gaining traction among practicing physicians. You know, that's why it's gaining traction here in Kentucky among oncologists, because they know that once people have cancer, the game is kind of past the two-minute warning, and they need to basically provide options to people to prevent those cancers rather than after they develop them. Well, Dr. Brad Rudo, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us. I really appreciate it. It was an exciting, interesting conversation. And uh, I know we certainly share one idea, and that is whatever we can do to get people to stop smoking. Uh, the long-term effects are, as you say, devastating. And I want to thank you for taking the time to join us on Primary Care today. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. If you missed any or part of this program, feel free to check us out on the website. You can download the podcast. Again, thank you for listening.